I do want to start. Whoa, we're hot. I do want to start by kind of explaining something um, that I'm not sure that we've done a real good job of explaining why we're doing what we're doing these first few weeks. Um, we're calling it foundations uh, to get an, help you get an idea of who we as Providence Bible Church, the new Providence Bible Church, who we are based on what we believe. The purpose of these messages are not to kind of set forth a vision of where we're going or what we're doing. That'll come later. But what we want to be sure of is that everybody knows what page we're on as far as doctrine. You say, well, and, and, and I've heard some rumblings here and there that this is stuff that we all know. Yes, hopefully that's true. I would say that's a that's an ambitious word because I don't know that this is something that we all know. But we do want to unite around truth. So we're taking this time to be very deliberate over these eight weeks of these teachings before we call to a commitment to this body. After we finish the eight weeks of foundations messages, then we will call everybody to a commitment to this is the group that I'm going to covenant together with to see the kingdom lived out through us together. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I know our group on Wednesday night, there's questions about depravity. We have questions about what depravity is and what it looks like. And today we're talking about the person of Christ. I hope you've got questions about the person of Christ. I hope you don't think you've got him all figured out. So we want to make sure that we take these eight weeks and really say this is what we believe about all these different things. And again, we're going to cover a wide gamut of things as we go through these eight weeks. So that's why we're doing what we're doing. I think it's important that we're united around truth. We have to unite around truth before we can unite around a common goal even. And I hope that makes sense to you. Um, and I hope that these meetings are very beneficial to you. I pray that they... Uh, do bring up questions that draw us together as we seek the truth together. And I hope that didn't muddy the water anymore. I hope that helped clear things up. We're, it's very intentional what we're doing. Um, the slide that will pop up here in a minute. Go ahead, yeah. Um, technology. I love technology. But not as much as you, you see. Hey, there it is. Did you find this or did you make this or fantastic? All right. I, I would have you could have told me that you made it and I would have really thought higher of you, but um we're uniting around this arc of redemption. The Bible is one big account of what God has been doing from eternity past and what God will be doing into eternity future. And we could be a part of that. But what we want to do is, as we look at these truths, and I'll get into this in a second, we want to follow this art because this is what God has been doing, and this is what God is doing, this is what God will do. And we get to be a part of that story. So it's a uniting thing. The, the individual books of the Bible, the individual accounts in the Bible, aren't individual accounts. They all make up one big whole. And what we want to cover in our teachings is going to cover this whole as well. It's very deliberate. It's very intentional. So, okay, I'm going to move on now. Sorry. I'm just... Got all that going on. Could we possibly go back a slide? Oh, no. Sometimes going back really trips things up. 
he handled that well. <clears throat> Our message today is uh, about the person of Jesus Christ. And this is not about his work. This is not about atonement. This is not about salvation necessarily. This is about the person of Christ. And when I got the news that this is what I'd be covering, at first I thought, oh, okay. Yeah, Jesus. I got it. Yeah, I got it. I'm going to tell you everything about Jesus in 45 minutes. Yeah, that's going to happen. But um, So just up front again, I want you to know this is not about the work of Christ. This is about the person of Christ. What we believe about Jesus Christ the man. So, and I want to base it around introductions. I think we've all been in situations where we've had to introduce friends or family or even people we just met to somebody else. Um, different settings. Uh, and we might choose descriptions based on our relationship to the person. This is my wife. This is my son. This is my daughter. Uh, we might uh, pick a trait about that person if they're not kin to us and say, this is the guy that's always laughing. And we all introduce people in different ways. And our journey through the arc of redemptive history has already introduced us to some really inter interesting people and concepts. Moon introduced us to the concept of a Trinitarian God, His Trinitarian nature, which is pretty powerful. He introduced us to the importance of the Bible in knowing this God. Andrew introduced us to a lot of people, actually. He introduced us to God as the Creator, who made all that we see and who made two people named Adam, Adam, and Eve, Adam, and Eve. Adam and Eve, right? So we met Adam and Eve. He introduced us to them. And he made Adam and Eve in his image so that they would reign and rule the creation that he had just created. Then we met a serpent who led the first two humans into sin, leading us to our depraved state. And I hope that depravity sits heavy on you. I hope that depravity is not just a concept that says, yeah, we're all depraved. I pray that that depravity sits heavy on you. And for the rest of the Old Testament, we'll see the effects of this fall and this depravity as the inhabitants of God's world fail and fall, strain and strive, and go through cycles of joy and pain, successes and failures. God will choose a man named Abram who would become Abraham, and he creates a nation of people from Abraham that God would call his own so that he might be able to introduce himself to the world. That's why God called out the Israelites. I want to introduce myself to the world. So God's all about introductions too. The story of the Old Testament is God's way of showing us how really bad off we are in our sin. He gives the nation of Israel the law and we see that it is impossible to keep the law in and of ourselves. And at the end of the Old Testament, God says He's done with introductions for a while. In what could be considered the closing statement of the first act of this grand play, God says in Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, listen to the weight of these words, Remember the law of my servant Moses, to whom at Horeb I gave rules and regulations for all Israel to obey. Look, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. He will encourage fathers and their children to return to me so that I will not come and strike the earth with judgment. Some versions say a curse instead of judgment. And that's the end of the Old Testament. That's God's last word for 400 plus years. God goes silent after saying, you better pay attention unless I will come and strike the land with a curse. Then the soundtrack goes silent. This fulfilled the prophecy of Amos in Amos 8, 
11 through 12, which says, Be certain of this, the time is coming, says the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a shortage of food or water, but an end to divine revelation. People will stagger from sea to sea and from the north around to the east. They will wander about looking for a revelation from the Lord. Hold on. But they will not find any. No introductions, no stories, no words, no hope for 400 years. And they were a dark, black 400 years. They had a little light there when the Maccabees came and set them free from Roman oppression. But really, they were without hope in the world. Which brings us to where we are in our art for today. I get to introduce you to Jesus. When things were as hopeless as they could have possibly been, God introduces Himself in a big way. What I want to do is have those who were nearest Him introduce Jesus to you from their perspective. I want you to meet Him as if they were introducing Him to you. Okay, you with me? We're going to have some people come up and introduce. They're going to, they're going to be playing the parts of certain people and they're going to say, I am so and so and this is Jesus. I want to introduce Him to you. As they tell you who he is, we'll see facts and truths about him that I hope will help you know him more intimately, see the full scope of his work in God's world, and that you would be amazed afresh and anew by him. And I pray that as you, as you listen to these introductions, that you would ask yourself this question. This is the question that really came to the forefront for me as I prepared for this is, how would I introduce Jesus to someone? Our first introduction comes from someone who never met Jesus in his earthly life. It's the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah lived over 700 years before Jesus was born. Now let me, let me repeat that. Where's my Isaiah? Where are you, Isaiah? There he is. He's coming. Isaiah lived over 700 years before Jesus was born. Let's let him introduce Jesus to you from his perspective. I'd like for you all to meet the most amazing person I've never met. Though I've never seen Him, the Lord God has given me a clear picture of Him. And He's amazing. His life will be amazing, starting with His birth. He'll be born of a virgin. As hard as that might be to believe, Yahweh said clearly that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and that she would call His name Emmanuel. And this amazing birth would lead to an amazing life. God's Spirit will rest on Him. He will be an heir to the throne of King David. He will have His way prepared. He will be exalted. The Gentiles will seek Him. He will bind up the brokenhearted, set the captives free, encourage the poor, announce the year of the Lord's favor. But that's not all. His amazing life will lead to an amazing death. This amazing death was detailed to me in visions too clear to be denied. I saw that he would be spit upon and struck. He would be disfigured and rejected. And his death would have a sure purpose. It would make a blood atonement for the sins of the ones who would believe in him. He would bear our sins and sorrows and voluntarily accept our guilt and punishment. 
I even saw that he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Amazing. I may never meet him on earth, but I know I will meet him when Yahweh brings me into the kingdom that will, that this Emmanuel will usher in. He told me that the government shall rest upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And Isaiah wasn't the only prophet to see Jesus before his birth. Actually, people say that there were at least 333 prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the life of the person of Christ. 333, at least. Jesus would later tell the religious leaders of his day that they searched the scriptures looking for eternal life, but it was those very same scriptures that witnessed of him. So God was preparing the way. God was preparing for us to know and and be introduced to this Jesus. And the Scriptures did speak of Him. Now let's move to our next introduction. Who better to introduce Jesus than His mother, a lady named Mary? I would like to introduce you to my son. He is going to be magnificent. It's been such an unbelievable journey. An angel came to me and called me favored. And then he said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. That's amazing enough, but I wasn't sure how this could happen since I've never been with a man. I'm betrothed to Joseph, betrothed to Joseph. But I was to remain pure until our wedding. So the angel then said another most amazing thing. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So this child that grows within me, this one who is one with me, is God's child, God's Son. Miraculously conceived, miraculously growing, and I'm sure to live miraculously on this earth. Mary surely did see this promise come true. She gave birth to Jesus in a town called Bethlehem, just as it had been prophesied that she would. She fled with him to Egypt, just like it had been prophesied that she would. And she returned later and settled in Nazareth, like it had been prophesied that they would. And he would grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with men and with God. The Scriptures tell of how she would watch him. And I love the phrase that the Scriptures use, that she would treasure up these things in her heart. She watched this little boy grow up. Her life with him and her memories of him must have been amazing. Our next introducer is another family member. 
He's a man named John that we refer to as John the Baptist. So let's have John come and introduce his cousin. I would like to introduce you to my cousin Jesus. I've enjoyed him since before I knew him. My mother Elizabeth was pregnant with me, which was a miracle in and of itself. And Mary, Jesus' mother, came into our house. My mother said that when Mary walked in, I leapt for joy within her womb. I was excited to be in his presence, even then. As I grew, my role was to prepare the way for the Messiah, to proclaim the gospel of repentance for salvation, so that people's hearts and minds would be prepared for Christ's appearing. When I inquired of the Lord who that Christ would be, he told me to look for the one with whom I saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove. And sure enough, one day Jesus came to me to be baptized. When he came up out of the water, I saw that heavenly vision. God himself bellowed from the heavens that this was indeed his beloved son, in whom he was well pleased. I did my best from that day forth to point away from myself and toward him. People would ask me if I was upset that he was gaining more fame than me. And I would say, oh no, he must increase and I must decrease. I told some of my disciples that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And some of them followed him, which is how it should be. I'm a light that shines for a little while, but he will shine in the glory of his Father forever. May his, his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. John's labor ultimately led to his death. Herod had him beheaded at the request of his wife's daughter after she'd danced a little for him. But John had accomplished his mission. The way had been prepared and the Messiah had come. And what work this Messiah did. He touched lives that no one else would touch. He blessed those that others cursed. We want to hear from one of those lives now, a woman named Mary Magdalene, as she introduces her Jesus to us. I would love to introduce you to my rabbi and Lord Jesus of Nazareth. He is the most amazing, compassionate, powerful man I have ever known. My life had been filled with pain and terror. I found myself beyond the reach of help, with voices tormenting me and destroying me from the inside out. I had no hope of ever knowing freedom and joy again. People feared me and cast me out from their presence. No one wanted to be around me, and I was cold, lifeless, and bitter. Then he came. The voices in me let me know quickly that they hated him. They knew who he was, but unlike others who avoided me, he came to me. He spoke the word, and the voices stopped. It felt like I was dying, but I was really coming alive for the first time. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven demons left me, and for the first time in I don't know how long, I breathed free air. I saw clearly and I felt genuine love for and from another human being. 
I knew he was sent from God, and I spent the rest of my time traveling with him and his disciples. I helped support his work along with some other women. We knew that he was God's anointed. We knew he was the Messiah, sent into the world to proclaim freedom to the captives and to announce God's plan to man. He is my rabbi, my Lord, and my Messiah. Mary would watch them crucify her Lord, and she would feel despair again. But she would feel the height of joy also as she was the first person to see the risen Christ as she stood weeping at an empty tomb. Fearing that someone had stolen his body, she came face to face with her rabbi, and he would commission her to go and tell his disciples that he was alive. And go and tell she did. Speaking of disciples, Jesus had at the center of his work the discipling of twelve men. I want to have one of them come and introduce his master to us, a man named Simon Peter. My name is Simon Peter, and I would like to introduce my rabbi, Jesus, to you. I met him after my brother Andrew came to me from following John the Baptist and made the startling announcement that he had found the Messiah. For hundreds of years, we've been waiting for the Messiah to come and liberate us and shake off this Roman oppression. So when Andrew said that the Messiah had come, I had to come see for myself. When I came to him, it, it seemed like he looked into me. He said, you are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. It was like he saw two of me, who I was and who he would turn me into. I spent three and a half years with him, night and day, in houses, on roads, in crowds, in private. I saw him do amazing things. He healed, healed sick people, raised the dead, cast out demons, and more things than I could ever describe. James, John, and I saw him in his glory on a mountaintop one day, and Moses and Elijah came and talked with him. It was amazing. But what amazed me most in all my time with him was his teaching. He taught, they said, like one having authority. People in crowds would come and go when he taught, and at times his teaching drove them away. One day he looked at me and the other 11 men whom he had called his apostles and asked if, he wanted, if we wanted to leave too. I said, Lord, where would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. I treasured his words. And one day it finally hit me who he really was. He was asking us who people said he was. We threw out some things we had heard others say. Then he fixed his gaze on us and said, Who do you say that I am? And amazingly, I found the right answer and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I knew it. And I meant it. 
And he affirmed that answer and let me know that the Father himself had revealed this to me. I remember swelling with joy and a bit of pride when he said to me, Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Truly, my Master was the Christ. Truly, he was the Son of God. I knew it. I believed it. Peter would go on to see and do incredible things with his master. He would walk on the water, and then he would sink in the waves. He would be rebuked and called Satan by the same one who had blessed him for the revelation he had received from the Father. And after saying that he was ready to die with Jesus, he would deny knowing him just before Christ's death. But with the grace that only Jesus could show, Peter was reinstated and commissioned to feed his Lord's sheep. Now we just heard from five different people as they introduced the man Jesus to you. Isaiah the prophet told us of the coming suffering servant and anointed ruler. His mother Mary told of her intimate joy as God revealed to her that she would carry his son and see the miracle of a virgin birth. His cousin John recounted how he knew his cousin's divine nature after seeing the Holy Spirit come down on him at his baptism. Mary Magdalene detailed the delivering power of a sovereign Messiah. And Peter capped it off by reveling in God's revelation to him that his rabbi was indeed the Christ. Now, I want to ask you another question. How would Jesus introduce himself to us? What would Jesus say about himself if he were to introduce himself? There's several I am statements that Jesus made about himself in the Bible, especially in the Gospel of John and in the book of Revelation, which was written by John as well. And I'm going to take these, there's 14 of them, I know you're going to, 14. I want you to listen to these 14 statements, the first seven from the Gospel of John and the other seven from the book of Revelation. And we're going to use these I am statements to have Jesus introduce himself to us. In John, he introduces himself with these seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I don't know if one of those hits you more than another one this morning, but Jesus would have you know that He is these things. And then in Revelation, he gives us seven more I am statements. And I think he's really key on one big point through these. I want you to listen. You'll hear it. It's plain as day. This is what Jesus says in these seven I am statements from the book of Revelation. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the bright and morning star. So, 
I want to ask you what Jesus asked his disciples. Who do you say that Jesus is? Do you know him as he is? And finally, how would you introduce Jesus to somebody that doesn't know him? I want to close our time, and you say, wow, that was quick. Or maybe you don't, maybe you're saying you weren't even close to an hour. I want to dwell for a minute, though. On an introduction that this great Christ was given in a short biography, I would say it's probably the shortest biography ever written. The Apostle Paul wrote it to call the Philippian church into humility and service. It's the amazing hymn in Philippians 2, verses 5-11. through 11. If you have a Bible, I'd like for you to turn there. Philippians chapter 2. And I think this passage not only calls us to know this Jesus, but I think it also calls us to show Him to the world, to introduce Him, if you would, to the world as we live our lives like He lived His. As we read Philippians chapter 2, verses 5-11, through 11, I want you to listen, I want you to learn, and I want you to love this Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now we can look at our ark. Mr. Andrew, can we look at our ark? And in this short biography that we have here in Philippians 2, verses 5-11, through 11, we can cover the whole ark in this short little passage. Before there was a creation, in eternity past, the man Jesus existed in the form of God. Equal with God. The second person of the Trinity, God the Son. We see Him as that in this passage in Philippians. He was there when He saw the fall. And before the fall came, Scripture says, before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. That Lamb was Jesus. The same Lamb that John said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Guys, it was done before the fall ever happened. What we will get into in the following weeks involve redemption and restoration. And Paul gives us a perfect picture of it here in this passage. It says that he was found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And if the story ended there, we would be of all men most pitied. But the story does not stop there. There is restoration. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That's restoration. So that at the name of Jesus, 
Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's a lot of cults, a lot of isms out there that would say so many different things about Jesus Christ and the part that He played in this arc of redemptive history. We heard five people today introduce Jesus and who He was to them. This passage tells us that one day, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't an angel that God sent down to do work that we couldn't do. He was God in the flesh, emptying Himself of His privileges as deity. But what we read at the very beginning before the music time said that It was God's pleasure that the fullness of deity should dwell in Him. He is the image of the invisible God. And through Him, this has taken place. From eternal coexistence in the Godhead to humiliating emptying into the form of a man, from death on a cross to exaltation to the highest place, this is Jesus. And I would love to do more than I've done to introduce Him to you. I would love for you to see Him through my words, through my life, through my actions. Not just here, not just here, but as you see me with my wife, as you see me with my kids, as you see me loving and serving you guys, I want you to be introduced to Jesus. I want to say what John the Baptist said, I must decrease, He must increase. I've made the statement about two or three people in my life that I believe they're the most Christ-like person I've ever been around. I want you to say that about me, not for my sake, but for His sake, for your sake, that you could see the life of Christ and be introduced to Him. And I would love for you to be able to introduce Him to the ends of the earth until the end of time. I want you to know this Christ. I want to know this Christ. And I want to be somebody who can introduce Him well. I would love to have an introduction like one of these five people had. And truthfully, I do have that introduction. I've just got to come to the fullness of the stature of the measure of a mature man built up into this man Christ and know who He is and what He's done for me in this redemptive ark. We have a part to play, and that part that we have to play is we get to introduce Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We get to be the body of Christ that shows Christ to the people around us. And I hope that we're amazed by that. And I hope that one day, when we stand before Him, that we will know Him, and that He will know us, and that He will say, enter into the joy of your Father. He is Jesus. Only Jesus. Let's pray. God, I know that we are prone to underestimate You. We are prone to forget who You are. We are prone to forget that You are King of kings and Lord of lords. Would You kindle again in our hearts, God, a vision of who this Christ is. 
would you show us the miracle of the incarnation of God becoming man? And would you stoke that fire up again, not just to sing songs to him or about him, but to live a life that shows who he is? Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. God, may we know this Christ. You have introduced him to us so well. May we know him and may we show him for your glory. If you would just remain seated. And we'll sing this song that proclaims the excellency of the unique Christ. If you want to sing with us, sing with us. If you just want to listen and take in another description of Him, Another introduction of them, you can do that.
has the power to raise the dead. Who can save us from our sin? He is our hope, our righteousness. Jesus, only Jesus. would you help us to know that He's not just all we need. Ultimately, He is all that we want. Ultimately, He is everything that we are lacking. Everything that we desire and hope and long for is found in this risen, exalted, reigning and ruling Christ. painted the picture through prophets and people 
who knew him so well. God, I pray that their testimony would be our testimony, that we know him. Paul would tell us in Philippians that he forsook everything else and he counted it all as dung that he might simply know Christ. May we be a people who forsake the things of the world. May we be a people who forsake our plans, our dreams, and our ambitions that we might have Christ, that we might know Christ, that we might make Him known, that we might live this life as an introduction of Him to the saved and to the unsaved. May our life's mission be that we might manifest the manifold wisdom of God as we proclaim the living, risen Christ. And may we look forward to that day when we see Him face to face. That we might thank Him and praise Him for eternity. that we would join that chorus of myriads and myriads and myriads of angels that we would sing holy, holy, holy holy King Almighty Lord saints and angels all adore I join with them and bow before Jesus, only Jesus. May it be our life's cry, God, our heart's cry. For our good and for your glory. Thank you for Jesus. May our lives reflect that glory. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you for being a part of what's going on here. We look forward to next week when Hamlet gets to introduce us to redemption, atonement, and the work of Christ. Again, avail yourself to preparing your hearts for these messages and that it wouldn't just be old hat truth, but it would be something amazing again to us. So go. Papa John is here in the house, which is always a good thing, right? Um, please don't be embarrassed when my daughter picks up a cup of that garlic butter and drinks it, because she will do it. Uh, <clears throat> it will happen. So, and if she comes to your table asking if you have any, just be nice. It's her birthday this week, okay? Uh, that's 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 Lily, by the way, not Hannah. I'll absolve Hannah of that guilt. But let's get ready to eat. God bless you guys. Have a great day.